Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Sin is out to ensnare us. That's the central message of our series that we've called Entangled. Sin traps us and tries to convince us that we'll never be free from it. But redemption is possible through Jesus. Jesus comes and restores our souls and our lives. Today, Pastor Nicole is joined by two members of the Erie First pastoral team to share their own journeys from being entangled with sin to being transformed through Christ. Their stories are an incredible testimony to what God can do in your life as well. So let's get started today and hear Redemption, the conclusion of our Entangled series. Hello, my name is Wade and I am grateful for my second chance. For the longest time, I was a raging alcoholic. It impacted me by I lost actually a 20-year marriage. I lost um, a relationship with my children, and eventually I almost lost my freedom. About two years ago, I went on a drinking binge for about eight hours. Um, By the end of the night, I was trying to walk home um, and I ended up hurting somebody really bad that I didn't even know. So five days after the, the incident, I got a call from the local police chief that asked me to come in and talk to him about something that had happened.
Well, good morning. We're so happy that you came to church today. Uh, We're in our last Sunday of this series called Entangled. And if you missed any of the the weeks, um, the past several weeks, you can go back. You can watch them on Facebook or uh, catch the podcast. But this series, if you're joining us today for the first time, is all about sin and how it can so easily entangle us. And we've been talking about some of the detriments of that to our spiritual life, uh, not just to our spiritual life, but our physical life, our emotional health, all of those things. And last week, we, we talked about a battle plan because we know that it is inevitable as humans, we learn that sin is an everybody problem. Okay, everybody is gonna uh, face temptation if you're a human. There's no way around it. And so we need to learn how to have a battle plan to defeat it. And so every week this month, you've heard some video testimonies just like Wade's um, from within our church of these brave and authentic men and women who have shared about their victories over sin. And it's been so encouraging. Have you enjoyed that? Has that been encouraging to you to see how God can work? And so today, uh, just as the finale of our series, I invited two of our very own pastors to discuss this topic together. So would you welcome today Pastor Daniel Frano and Pastor Adam Blazik as they help me today. We were psyched to do it together, so we don't always often get to, but God is always working. He's always working, and as we were discussing together about what we wanted to share today, uh, we really wanted to talk about some ways that we, we know that what temptation and sin does, but ways that God is always working to counteract the effects of that. God is always on our side. He is always fighting for us. There is no defeat in this message. There's only victory, and so that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, so the very first thing that we're we're going to uh, kind of talk about, I boiled it down into three things. My hope that you can remember those things and take it with you. But the first is sin hardens, but God softens. Sin hardens, but God softens. The Bible says in Hebrews 3 that sin hardens our hearts. Now, it doesn't mean our physical heart, but our heart is the hub of a person. It's the, the very uh, the thing that, that makes you think and feel and tick and move and act. And, and sin causes that part of us to grow hard, uh, particularly can, if you have continual or unrepentant sin. And when we leave sin to grow in our hearts, when we refuse to deal with it, it actually desensitizes us to sin's effects. Okay, so have you ever been in a situation where you thought to yourself, uh, this just doesn't bother me anymore, this, this type of evil or this type of media? That's a warning because when it used to bother you, your heart was softer. When we sometimes let that stuff in, our heart begins to desensitize to some of those things. We can actually become blind to distinguishing between right and wrong. Maybe you've watched something on the news or heard of something and thought, why could anyone think that's okay? Right? Why, why is that? Why is anyone even able to do that? Well, let me tell you what happens is when you let sin in your heart for so long and so hard, literally, the scripture says that humans can become blind to right and wrong and they don't accept the truth of anything. And the hardening of our heart against truth and against Christ leads us to a corrupt life. It leads us to a lot of poor choices and, and justifying those poor choices and then repeating that cycle over and over. The thing about hard hearts is they can't carry joy. There's no room in there for joy. So anyone that has a hard heart has a lot of brokenness, a lot of despair with a heart shut off to God. But the scripture actually says that eventually, eventually, a hard heart will cause complete spiritual blindness. Complete spiritual blindness. And so Romans 2.5 addresses this. I want to read it to you today. It says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, 
You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So sin is dangerous. It's not something to mess around with. Sin hardens. It makes our hearts hard. And so just to start today, um, Pastor Adam, before you were a Christ follower, many people may not even know this story about you. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you resonate with how sin hardened your heart. Yeah. Um, Hopefully everyone here has met me and they met the born again Adam Blazik. But before that, that man existed, uh, was the the old self and I just had a really hard heart. So to answer this question is just kind of to share a little bit of my testimony before I met Christ in 2017. Um, I, I was just filled with sin. I mean, when your heart is hard, sin doesn't matter what sin is coming in, it just everything is welcome in a hard heart. All that sin is welcome. So I had I struggled with the sin of lust from a very young age. Um, and then as I grew older, it just developed into different avenues to, to satisfy the lust. I would go to exotic dance clubs as I was a pro athlete and just was sexually immoral and just was, my heart was hard towards purity. I, I had believed lies that if I loved someone that I could do what I wanted with that person. And I was just deceived because my heart was hard, as the scripture says that Pastor Nicole read. I was prideful. I mean, I was always exalting myself. I, I was playing basketball so that everyone would know Adam Blazik and that they would see my highlights, that they would read news articles in the paper about me. And it was about me exalting myself. And so my heart was hard and filled with pride. And I would fake humility. So if you came up to me after a basketball game, I used to play basketball a lot. So if someone said, oh, man, great game, Blaze. You had 30 points. You did awesome. I would pretend to be humble because I knew the right thing was to be humble. So I'd be like, oh, you know. No, that's all right, man. I appreciate your comment. But deep inside, I was like, tell me more. What else do you like about my game? Tell me, tell me more things. I was prideful. <clears throat> I was selfish. I didn't really care about others. I mean, I was doing community service as a pro athlete to, to, to look good. You know, we were out at schools and doing those things. There was just there was this hardness of my heart. There was no actual pure love. I was serving out of my own gain. <clears throat> I was depressed. In college, I had broken my hand, and, and I couldn't play basketball, and that was my God at the time. And so I went into this bout of depression and had thoughts of suicide when I was uh, in university. And so, like Pastor Nicole said, there was no room for joy in my heart. I actually, I can remember even from a little kid, I had, I had this like fake laughter. Like I never actually experienced like true laughter and joy. I would like, when things were funny, I would fake the laugh. I didn't even have like, my, my brothers would joke with me and be like, you don't even have a laugh. You always mimic someone else's laugh. I just didn't have joy inside of my heart. It was hardened because of sin. I was lost. I didn't know my creator. I didn't know Jesus Christ. And lastly, the, the hardness of my heart, it, it led me to idolatry, which is worshiping other gods. With a hard heart, I just pursued basketball as my God. It controlled my emotions. It, it controlled how I did, what I did when I spent my time. And so... <clears throat> My heart was so wretched, and I am thankful to Jesus Christ that he has saved me and changed, changed my whole entire life. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, yes. Um, so sin hardened, but God softened. And so tell us uh, what changed. What was it? What, what started the process? Yeah. How did that begin? Yeah. I cannot imagine if I just, like, describing that person is so weird to me because he's dead. He's gone. I can't imagine if Jesus wasn't here, I would live, I would still be that man. And so the thing that changed and softened my heart, was I was living in Eastern Europe in the Republic of Georgia, which is uh, south of Russia, north of Turkey. And I was playing in the pro basketball league out there. And that's when God gave me a dream. I, I grew up Catholic and heard kind of about the gospel, but I had no relationship with God. I was externally religious. I was pretty much Pharisee in many ways. And um, 
I had a dream one night and I saw myself in the dream sinning, sexually sinning. And after seeing that in the dream, everything went black, but I was still dreaming. But I began to have this desperation and I was suffocating in this dream and I was, had this extreme dread and terror and fear. And the only thing I could surmise is that God probably gave me a millisecond of what hell was like, maybe. And, and I was terrified. I woke up shaking and, and didn't know what happened. But what the Lord showed me, and I didn't know the scripture at the time, but he was showing me that the wages of sin is death. He was showing me what you're doing, Adam. You think you're a good enough person. People called me a good person. I was not. In your eyes, I might have been good. In God's eyes, I was sinful. And the Lord showed me, if you keep doing this, Adam, you'll go to hell. And that put the fear of the Lord in my heart. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I began to realize I can't beat my sin addictions. I can't change my life. I've been trying for a decade to do different things, different, try 21 days to break a habit or do this or do that. And I was stuck. And that was the first time after this dream and I had the fear of the Lord that I knew if I died that day, I would go to hell. And I, I repented in my hotel room 6,000 miles away from here. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I knew for the first time God's love and his power. I knew he loved me because he knew, I knew God knew all the things I did. People I used, the women I hurt, all the things that I did wrong. I knew he knew that and he still forgave me and loved me. And that wrecked my heart. I thought, you still love me, God. And then I knew his power because I had tried to be freed from sin and I couldn't. And then once I gave my life to Christ, it was total freedom. And I, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for sharing that. So the second thing that sin does, as we, as Adam testified to this morning, is sin destroys, destroys things, destroys relationships, but God restores. Sin destroys, but God restores. Um, Romans 3.23 describes that all people have sinned, all people have fallen short of the glory of God. And before Jesus, our problem was we were separated from God because of sin. There was this impassable barrier between us, a broken relationship, a destroyed relationship. Okay, this relationship was broken. But what sin destroys, God restores. And so God restored this broken relationship between us and him by reconciling us to himself through Jesus's death. That word reconcile, it means to reestablish friendship between two parties or, or to settle or resolve a dispute. So that's what Jesus does. He says, look, I have seen sin destroy my relationship with my people, so I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna bring restoration. And he fixes this broken relationship between us and God. And I love, uh, what's the motivation? What's the motivation for God to repair the broken relationship between us and him? I wanna read to you Romans 5.8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God loved us so much that even while we were his enemies, he did what was needed to reconcile us to himself through the death of his son. Even when Pastor Adam talked about how he was living in the darkness and in sin, God himself came to him in a dream and said, look, I want you. I love you. I want to reconcile this relationship with you. And so that barrier of sin has been taken away and a bridge has been built. And as we cross over that bridge uh, by our faith in Jesus, our relationship with God is restorative. Our relationship with God restores us to God and to Jesus. Jesus fully paid our debt. And so uh, as we're just talking about reconciliation and restoration, those are present realities as a believer. I want to ask Pastor Danielle if you would just tell us a little bit about how sin destroyed, but God has restored uh, so many things in your life. 
Yeah, well, to give some background, um, growing up, I took on my mom's last name because my dad just didn't want the responsibility of, of me. Um, my childhood was filled with a mom partying and a dad leaving. I was filled with memories of, of moments of hiding from abusive men that my mom dated. I remember uh, hiding behind a door and hearing the sound of a knife scraping against it. Uh, I have scars um, from my teeth going through my lips because at seven years old, my mom uh, hit a telephone pole, drunk driving. Uh, but the real pain from that actually came from her telling me that the accident was my fault. Sleeping and, and shivering on buses and, and bar seats, walking through broken glass on Christmas mornings, um, eating paper when hungry, seeing scales weighing drugs, and uh, just were all moments. Um, smelling and begging, getting made fun of that in school, just memories. As I got older, I thought the only way to control what was happening or to feel better was to just not feel anymore. So I, I literally remember moments of just shutting down. Um, and over time, my heart just completely hardened. Um, like it became so cold that I was numb to all the feelings. I just didn't hurt anymore uh, because I no longer loved and I no longer cared. Um, I completely stopped caring for everything and everyone. So I started drinking and partying myself. I got arrested here and there. I was promiscuous. Um, and then when my mom went to prison and my dad left for the umpteenth time, uh, I lived in a house with no food, no electricity, no water. And it wasn't difficult to survive at that time because I just didn't care. I stole deodorant and feminine products if I needed them, broke into cars when I saw change, and stole from uh, mailboxes, uh, hoping there was grandma Christmas money in there. I put scars on girls' faces from getting into fights. I sold drugs to little kids, got kicked out of school, addicted to cocaine, and started using pretty much anything that would create just temporary fun and satisfaction, no matter what it did to me or anyone else. I became so deep in my sin that my heart was so hard that none of these moments mattered at all. And when I became pregnant at 15 years old, having an abortion didn't matter either. Sin was literally my survival method. But that method soon changed. A few years later, we gave our lives to Jesus and a couple of months later, I found out that I was pregnant again. And this time, I had a new method. And that method was called love. Love from a father that wasn't going to leave, who was full of hope and promises. So I kept that baby this time. And he's our first child on this side of heaven, our 19-year-old son named Joey. And he just finished his first semester in college. I had an abortion and I thought I could never love kids or deserve them. And we now have four kids. And although I was worried that I wouldn't love them or care for them enough, maybe my kids will tell you different, but I think I'm a pretty good mom. Our relationship, my husband and I, looked like a domestic dispute scene out of a cops episode. <laughs> but we just celebrated 20 years of marriage. Living on the streets to ministering on the streets, not believing in God to now arguing his truth, Career in selling drugs, now to a career as a pastor selling his salvation. Don't tell me that God can't do it. And would I go through it all again to care enough for my kids, for all of you, and to be the mom I am today, to want to fight for my marriage? Yes. 
Yes, because the victories are so much sweeter than the losses. And the losses, the pain, are just temporary. Jesus made it so our redemption is eternal. And I'll take eternal wins for temporary losses all day long. So one more way that God is always, always fighting for us is sin creates distance, but God comes close. Sin creates distance, but God comes close. There's this term called justification in theology. It's a legal term, actually, that literally means to declare not guilty. And what the scripture says is that justification is God's act as judge, where he declares a guilty sinner to be totally righteous in his sight on the basis of Christ's finished work on the cross. Paul says it clearly in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. So God not only declares you not guilty of all sin through your faith in his son, but he also gives you a new status called justification or rightness before God. When God looks at you, after you have faith in him, after you've declared your uh, love for him and you've repented of your sin and turned and come into relationship with him, God looks at you and he sees his son's righteousness taking the place of your sin. In Pastor Danielle's uh, particular situation, Jesus looked at her and did not see all those things she just said about her past. Jesus looks at her and sees the son's righteousness taking the place of her sin, and not because of anything she did, but because Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for her and for me and for you. I think of it like this. Picture like an accountant spreadsheet, like an Excel spreadsheet dedicated to your life. Okay, on, on the left side of the page is the heading, Your Sin. And on the right side of the page is, is the heading, Christ's Righteousness. And some of us have longer spreadsheets than others, right? <laughs> but when you sin intentionally, unintentionally, before Jesus, after your relationship with Jesus for the rest of your life, God replaces the sin on that side that says your sins with Christ's righteousness and puts your sin on his side. Your sin is taken away. And it's this continual balancing it's this continual balancing, and your sin never stays on your side of the page because God declares in 2 Corinthians 5.19 that he is not counting men's sins against them, and he's forever declaring you not guilty in his sight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that grace. And so sin wants to create distance between us and God, but he is always trying to come close. I think sometimes we wrestle with the notion, we might know these things. Maybe you've been a Christian for a very long time and you understand this intellectually, but you feel a lot of the times like you are not good enough. Or you feel like you are always trying to please God and you're never gonna get there. Or you feel like you're just running, you had all these things in your past that you're running from and you're never gonna feel worthy enough for God's calling or blessing or anointing or gifts on your life. And I want to remind you today that being declared righteous means that you are now perfectly acceptable to a holy God based on your faith in his son, Jesus. That's it. There isn't any more work to do. His righteousness it justifies you. 
And as, as Pastor Danielle and I were talking about today, uh, this, this kind of came up in our conversation. And I said to her, you know, did you ever struggle feeling guilty for that past sin in your life? And how, how did you work through it? Some of those really intense things that, you know, that happened that you shared. And um, so just share with us maybe a little bit that process for you, maybe for those that might be feeling the same thing today. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I struggled with so much guilt and shame. Um, the effects of my sin, of our sin, doesn't just disappear when we give our life to Jesus. Uh, I had to learn to love again. I had to learn to trust again. The enemy had killed staring me in the face. Um, and at times I allowed it because I thought I deserved it. Um, I had to wade through all that guilt and tear down all that concrete in my heart and heart in order to move forward. Once we decide to give our lives to Jesus, the enemy will use our past sin to bring this guilt and shame, which can really paralyze us in our journey with Jesus and sometimes make us even slip backwards, feeling undeserving of God's love and promises. And why? Why does he do that? Well, because he'd rather us live in our sin than allow God to redeem our sin for his glory. And we can live in the guilt of our past sin or we can let him use it. Uh, when my husband and I stood at the altar after giving our lives to Jesus, we turned around and we saw this group of friends that we had brought with us standing right behind us. And all those friends gave their lives to Jesus too. And we looked at each other with tears in our eyes and we knew in that moment that this is what we were called to do. That everything that we had gone through wasn't for nothing. That he was going to redeem, God was going to redeem every single moment. A month later, one of those friends that were at the altar with us, Nick, got into a car accident and he died. Him and those other friends were the same friends that we partied with in the past, that we sold drugs to. And my shame, my guilt, could have held us back from inviting those friends to that church service. He would have never given his life to Jesus, and we would have known if he would have went to heaven or hell. But now we know he went to heaven. And this is when I realized what the enemy was going after and I wasn't having it anymore. In this moment, forgiveness and consistency were the two things that helped me overcome the guilt I faced for my sin. Consistency to keep moving forward even when I felt shame and forgiveness in three different ways. The first way I had to forgive myself. The second thing I had to ask forgiveness from those people I hurt and there were a lot. And if they didn't accept it, it was okay. Because the third person who was, who was who really matters said, I already forgave you on the cross years ago. See, God changed my life. He changed my husband's life, my kids. So you better believe I wasn't going to slap him in the face for what he's done by sitting in the guilt for what I've done. There comes a point where our hurts need to go from excuses to movements, movements in our life that redeem and now, you know, on a mission trip to Philly, we were working with homeless and addicted on the streets, and I, I uh, came into contact with a woman. She was covered with sores and was wearing these torn, revealing clothes, and she smelled like sweat and alcohol, and there was just something about her, and we connected. I asked if we could take a picture, and she teared up, why, wondering why I wanted a picture with her. And when I hugged her, I flashed to my mom, and I realized that that moment wasn't for her. It was actually for me. The smell of alcohol, the feel of her brittle hair, the shakiness from her embrace because she was starting to jones for the next high. This is why I connected with that woman. And that hug became this redeeming moment. Yeah. 
See, there's freedom in being able to remember where you came from without feeling the guilt from the sinful moments. There's freedom in that. And I ask God to never allow me to forget where I came from. I don't want to forget the moments. I want to redeem the moments. (laughs) I want to remember the hurt so clearly so I can praise him for every single detail of it. So uh, we know we can live with confidence as believers that we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I love those kind of practical strategies you're giving um, to turn those excuses into movements and to, ha- to, to live in that. But it takes work, right? I mean, it, it's not something that just comes overnight. We, but we can stand in the fact that we are released to live in freedom because of Christ's redemption for us. And so, uh, Pastor Adam, kind of knowing all that, right, understanding we're fully justified, we're redeemed by Jesus, and now you're living, like you said, a new Adam, right? Your old life is gone. What does pursuing holiness look like for you? What, you know, how does that shake out? Like we said, it takes work. So how does that happen? Well, that's a great question. And, and brothers and sisters, we got to get this. We got to get what it means to be holy and, and that we can be holy in Christ. And I think the question is now that I have a new life in Christ, how can I pursue holiness? That's the key is Understanding what it means to be in Christ now. To be in, in Christ means that the old sinner that I was is gone. Yeah. He's, he's gone. He doesn't, he doesn't have a part of my life anymore. And that now I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I believe that. God's word says that that man is dead and I'm now a new creation. And so now being a new person to pursue holiness, I choose to live in and through Jesus Christ, who, who's my Savior and he's my Lord. And so that means I don't live in and through the world anymore. I don't try to be holy through methods or a book by some secular guy that says how to make your life better. I'm not going through the worldly methods to try to be holy or to change my life or to get habits out of my life. I'm going through the the cross and the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus. I'm not going through my own strength. I'm not trying to grit my teeth or or write something on my piece of paper a hundred times to say I'm not going to sin anymore. that's That's my own strength. I'm not doing that anymore. We have to go through Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes us holy in, in standing and then in our actions. And so a scripture that I, I just pray and preparing for this that really uh, hopefully will help each one of you understand how, how do I pursue holiness? How can I be holy? Is John 1.14. In John 1.14, it says that Jesus Christ, who was the word of God, he was made flesh. And it says the word was made flesh and he was full of grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. So pursuing holiness is choosing. I have to choose. You have to choose to live through God's grace in God's truth. We have to live through his grace in his truth. I can't live in the truth of God without the grace of God. I just won't be able to receive it. I can't understand it. I can't put it on. I can't operate in those promises without God's grace. So we have to live through Jesus who is grace and truth. He is the word of God. I could never live holy you can never live holy by trying. It can't be effort-based. That's works-based righteousness, and that's what the world I came from. I'm, I'm not going back to that. <clears throat> First Peter 1.16 says, be holy as God is holy. Be holy, not do holy. The scripture doesn't say do holy as God is holy. He says be, so that means exist in a holy place, in a holy state. You're already there. You just live from that place where you've been declared justified before God. You're righteous. You were made holy in his eyes. God's grace empowers me to be who he says I already am. 
in the world, it's different because if I wanted to be an electrician, I would have to go through a bunch of schooling and training and apprenticeship and all that stuff. And then I would get the certification that I'm an electrician. In the kingdom, I became a son. And then the Lord teaches me how to, be, how to live as a son. I don't have to work to the place where God finally says, now you're a son, Adam, because you've done enough. It's totally on the opposite. It's inverted from what the world method is. And so I want to read a scripture that I think is really powerful. It's Colossians 1, 19 through 22. Colossians 1, 19 through 22. It says, for it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I, I say, whether things on earth or in things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated, I was formerly alienated from God. I was, I was not connected. It says you were formerly alienated. You were hostile in your mind. You were engaged in evil deeds. Then verse 22 says, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, death in order to present you, this is a now verse, to present you, to present me before him, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. That's Colossians 1.22, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. So I just did a quick definitions of what holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. This is how God sees me and how he sees each one of you in Christ Jesus. But just receive this. God sees you as morally and spiritually excellent. That's what holiness is. God already sees you as innocent of wrongdoing. That's what it means to be blameless. God sees each one of you, and he sees me apart from disapproval or disappointment. That's what beyond reproach. I'm beyond that. I'm never disapproved by God. He's never disappointed in me anymore, even when I sin. So those things are already, those are truths that I live from, not things that I try to attain. I'm not trying to be holy. I am holy, and I live from that place. And so I'll just close with this. Pursuing holiness is 100% believing what God's word says about you. You have to, it's from the word of God. You can't make it up. It has to come from the word. 100% believing what God's word says and then allowing the Holy Spirit to empower you to obey it. I'm not a sinner anymore. We're not sinners saved by grace. I'm a saint. <laughs> the Apostle Paul never wrote to the church in Colossians, all the sinners in Colossae. He said to the saints in Colossae to the saints in Ephesus. That's what God sees when he's writing to his people. So I took that label of sinner off. It doesn't go, belong to me anymore. Even when I sin, yeah. even when I sin and I go right to the father and he's faithful and true to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of unrighteousness. Right. I'm not an orphan anymore. I'm a child. Amen. Good. So good. So yeah, thank God for that truth. So let's just review today and then we're just going to activate these promises this morning and to end our series. So sin hardens, but God softens. Sin destroys, but God restores. And sin creates distance, but God comes close. You've heard story after story about this through the video today from your pastors. Uh, so many stories. You can tell your own story about how sin has hardened, destroyed, and created distance, but God has softened restored and came close. And he's still writing the story. We are still in the story. Thank God that we're still part of the story. So here's how we're going to end this series today. In a moment, I asked Pastor Adam and Pastor Danielle if they would just pray over us all. And we're going to end this with a song called Break Every Chain. 
All right, and so what this song talks about is things that weigh us down, the sin that hardens, the sin that destroys, the sin that creates distance. God, break that off, right? Restore us, soften us, come close to us. And so here's what I want you to do. With the Holy Spirit's life, we can live a life of victory over sin. We can. He equips us. He gives us the battle plan. He gives us the power to walk it out. The Holy Spirit uh, helps us to live holy. And so I asked some prayer team members and some uh, council members members and some pastors to just kind of stand here at the end of every aisle. And we have a little anointing oil. There's nothing special or magical about anointing oil, but it's a symbol. And it's a symbol of what you're saying is, look, I want to live a holy life. I'm marked. Like, I'm going to remember that my identity is saved and redeemed and justified and live blameless. And Lord, I need your power and your wisdom. I need to see the way out so I can take it. I need to get out of the tangle of some of this sin that I've been in for a long time. Now, listen, some of you are going to be like, if I go up there, people are going to think I'm a sinner. Yup. We all are, all right? We all are. I'm not gonna, we're not gonna ask you what that is, but this particular activation is really for everyone in the room because it's this moment where we say, I'm gonna declare that in my life, Jesus, break every chain. I trust you. I wanna be marked and sold as holy. And so if you feel comfortable, I'm gonna ask you to just come. Uh, prayer team, you can actually get in your place right now. Would you stand? We're gonna worship together. And let, I'm gonna pray here in just a minute. I'm going to let Pastor Danielle and Pastor Adam pray over us as well and just ask that the Holy Spirit would meet us. And would you come during this song, just get an anointing oil and remind us that we are going to live in victory over the things that so easily entangle us. So actually, Pastor Danielle, would you lead us in prayer yeah. this morning? God, we come to you right now. Jesus, we come to you right now with everything that we are, the good and the bad. God, I'm asking that whether the people here today, whether they've been, they're hearing this for the first time, whether they've give, given you their sin before or never have, whether they've been sitting in this church for 20 years or today is their first day, that you give them the confidence to release what is holding them back from you. God, that you give every single person in here the confidence to be able to walk forward and hand over the things that are holding them back. God, I ask right now that your Holy Spirit gives clarity to those things that are creating uh, hardness in our hearts, the things that are making us not care, the things that are making us not see your promises. God, I'm asking right now that you remove the blinders from our eyes to be able to see what is clearly keeping us from you. God, I'm asking right now that people come forward for the sins that have hurt generations in their life. Yes. God, there may be things that they are holding on to that they have done to hurt other people. God, I'm asking that they come forward for that. God, I'm asking that they come forward for their parents' sins. God, we know that you don't just break sins right now, but you go back in our past and you break those sins and we know you are already moving ahead in the future, paving the way. God, you want this more than we do. You are already working on every single person's behalf. So I'm asking right now that we step forward and just join into the work that you are already doing, God. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, I release the spirit of adoption into the family of God over every person in this room, Lord, that they would receive the truth of God's word about them, God. I pray for faith to arise in the hearts of your children. Lord, I ask that you would give us grace to live holy, to live set apart, to look different than the world. God, I ask that you would empower people in this room to be free because Jesus, you set us free. Your word sets us free. Your power sets us free. So Lord, I ask that you would just draw 
people closer to you, Lord, that they would reject sin, that they would turn from wickedness, that they would repent from the heart, God, that they would turn and say, I don't want to be that way anymore. I want to be who God says I am, and you can be that, Lord, because, Lord, we, we are who you say we are. So, Father, I thank you for what you're about to do in the next five minutes, that lives will change at the altar. Lives will change through the prayers of the righteous in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain. Come on, there is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Oh, break every chain, 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 break every
Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.